Hello and welcome to Strategy Distilled, my monthly concoction of insight, learnings and things you might have missed all about strategy. This month, a rather exciting new tool for you to try out, Strategy Health Check. I want to talk about the perils of hedging strategy. I want to talk about loss aversion. I want to talk about Net Promoter Score 3 and also lessons on strategy innovation from Lego. So let's get into it. Strategy Health Check. It's a tool to give you a snapshot of how well your strategy is performing across six key areas. And in general, it'll take you less than 20 minutes. So it's designed to be a challenging and thought-provoking self-drive process. And it's been developed on the back of my many years of strategy consulting across quite diverse industries, including tech, higher education, finance and pharma. So what I was hoping to do was help you frame your strategic thinking and also to give you some practical best practice guidance on key aspects of strategy in your organization. It's available online. It's at healthcheck.goalatlas.com. It's free for you to use and it enables you to prioritize actions and improve your strategy where it's underperforming using the advice and models we have available to you at Goal Atlas. So give it a go. I'd love to hear what you think of it. If you've got any feedback, send it through to me at mike at goalatlas.com to let me know how you get on. The perils of hedging strategy. So the word hedge comes from an old English word meaning fence. And in financial markets, the process of hedging involves acquiring a financial interest in two different and usually opposing market outcomes. So, for example, a producer commits to making a specific product for sale in a year's time. If the price for this product rises over the coming months, the producer will make a profit. But what if the price collapses? To hedge that risk, in other words, to have a position on both sides of the fence, if you like, they might enter into a forward contract to supply their product at a fixed price at a specified time in the future. This is hedging in financial terms. To hedge a strategy means adopting a position on both sides of the fence rather than deciding upon a clear commitment to one or other course of action. Here are some common examples. We're going to hugely expand our marketing reach whilst maintaining our current levels of marketing performance. Problem with this is it's often unrealistic. Big increases in marketing reach can mean one of several things. You might reach out to prospects with a less immediate need for your product and who will be harder to engage. You might reach out using channels or tactics less tailored to your target audience. And that means your marketing messages might seem less relevant. Or you could start encroaching into market spaces currently dominated by competitors who are currently better resourced or better skilled in engaging prospects in those spaces. So a better strategy would be to expand marketing reach whilst acknowledging the consequences of doing so in terms of reduced marketing performance or to maintain or possibly enhance marketing performance whilst acknowledging that marketing reach can only therefore expand modestly. Another example, we will maximize efficiency in our operations whilst maintaining resilience. 
Now, I wrote several months ago on LinkedIn that increases in efficiency will at some stage bring about reductions in resilience. Imagine a sales process. You refine and hone your sales messaging. You keep adjusting and adapting your sales assets. You fine-tune your sales pitch to suit the needs of different types of customers. You drill your entire sales team on perfecting the script and listening for the signals that trigger a move to the next step in the sales process. Your sales efficiency is gradually driven upwards. Then, a new competitor enters the market. They sell in completely different ways and you have nothing to respond with. All your refinements made your sales process brittle. Efficiency's gain was resilience's loss. A better strategy would be to identify aspects of our operations where our primary focus needs to be maintaining resilience and other aspects of operations where we can drive efficiency gains. The balance between efficiency and resilience needs to be carefully planned, well executed and rigorously performance managed. Next, a lesson from behavioral economics, loss aversion. What is it? It's one of the founding principles of behavioral economics. It means that the pain of losing is psychologically about twice as powerful as the pleasure of gaining. Now, why does this matter for strategy? The implication for strategy is that it ought not to just be about exciting new things that can be gained, but also about painful things to be avoided. Richard Rumelt made a big issue of this in his classic book, Good Strategy, Bad Strategy. A strategy is a way through a difficulty, an approach to overcoming an obstacle, a response to a challenge, he claimed. And if you fail to identify and analyze the obstacles, you don't have a strategy, he reckons. Instead, you have either a stretch goal, a budget, or a list of things you wish would happen. So loss aversion, I think, is a really interesting one to bear in mind as you're developing strategy. Don't make it all about good news. And in terms of snippets related to strategy you might have missed, Net Promoter Score has been released in version 3.0. And the thinking behind this is explained by Fred Reichelt, the inventor of Net Promoter Score, in a recent Harvard Business Review article. And NPS, for those of you who may not be aware, is a score for customer satisfaction based on how customers answer a single question. How likely are you to recommend my product or service to a friend or colleague? Developed almost 20 years ago, the NPS Net Promoter Score is used by two-thirds of Fortune 1000 companies and is often a key measure of strategic success for organizations with customer-centric strategies. Now, despite this remarkable success, critics still contend that NPS is a soft measure. It indicates how much customers say they will promote your organization, not how much they actually do, nor how much revenue or profit is derived from those promotions. Hence, this latest update to Net Promoter 3.0 introduces the concept of earned growth. The earned growth rate of an organization is the amount of growth that comes from returning customers or their referrals. 
it requires sales teams to ask all new customers the much more factual question, were you referred from an existing customer, rather than the more hypothetical question, how likely are you to recommend my product or service to a friend. Specifically, the earned growth rate of an organization is the amount of growth due to orders by returning customers or from people who were referred by existing customers. The earned growth ratio is the ratio of earned growth to total growth. So a really useful concept and something that I suspect many of you may be able to build in to the more customer-centric parts of your strategy. Finally, lessons on strategic innovation from LEGO. LEGO's journey from its origin in the 1930s took it to near bankruptcy in 2003 before recovering and enjoying even greater success than before. In their book, Brick by Brick, How LEGO Rewrote the Rules of Innovation and Conquered the Global Toy Industry, Bill Breen and David Robertson identified three key issues for mature organizations seeking to innovate. Number one, respect what made you great. In order to fit into a new digital world, LEGO learned that customers wanted digital experiences that complemented core offerings rather than replacing them. This meant continuing with brick-based construction, but wrapping new stories, new games, new experiences, for example, the highly successful Bionicle product line, around that brick-based construction experience. Number two, maintain a customer-centric development process. LEGO regularly engages children in the process of character development, storytelling, and providing feedback on new playset ideas. They have a great saying about this work. Kids will never lie to you about whether something's fun or not. And thirdly, be innovative about how you innovate. LEGO uses a range of different approaches for innovation depending on business goals and context. They also try to build families of complementary innovations to distinguish themselves from competitors. As Robertson says, you need to learn how to play chords, not just keys on the innovation piano. It's much better to pursue multiple complementary innovations that harmonize. According to Robertson, Centering innovation around the brick-based construction experience through new stories, games and experiences is what drove customers back to the Lego brand and returned the company to profitability. You try to understand who your customer is, what they care about. That's the way we should think about innovation, Robertson claimed. You need to be dating your customer, not fighting your competitor. That's it for Strategy Distilled this month. I hope it did something useful in it for you.